Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in three, two, one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I really am thankful that we can be together as the Karura family, those people who are here um, on site and those who are with us. Um, over the different media, I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our God is great. He is very mighty. I pray that you are all getting ready for December the 6th. We have our Thanksgiving um, fundraising day. And this is part of our journey together with God as we do His will in building our worship and community center. Now people have asked me, you know, why the word Thanksgiving? Why a Thanksgiving fundraiser? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, the Bible says, Give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Why should we give thanks in all circumstances? Well, because God is at work in every situation. He is in our lives. No matter what else is going on, God is working in our lives. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we are told that he is working all things together for the good of those who love him. So even in all this kind of time that we are going through, so long as we love him, he is at work and he's working good in our circumstances. You know, it'll be a time of thanksgiving because God has been at work in our lives. You know, honestly, I believe that every one of us has something that we can celebrate, something that we can thank God for, his presence with us through an entire time of of major crisis, his support, the personal growth that we we have experienced or that we are already experiencing. And it's an opportunity for us to step forward, to keep pressing on with the major project that God has called us to, building our community for the glory of God. You know, we are thanking God for just the privilege and opportunity to serve Him. And we're going to do His will because obedience, even in hard times, is the thing that makes us grow. In James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, the Bible says, Count it pure joy whenever you um, suffer grief in all kinds of trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, some people respond to hardship by, by, by looking inwards and just focusing on themselves, caring for themselves. But God wants us to persevere and do his will to completion, hard times or not. You know, our eyes are fixed on him because he is the one who truly controls the times and the seasons. He is the one who truly takes care of us. And we show him our faith by continuing to trust him and to serve him. And his promise is that if we have this attitude, you know, to keep going no matter what with his will, it will bring us to maturity. He will give us, it will make us complete, not lacking anything. What we are doing is a project of worship. It is building for the future of God's church. And we are doing this with thanksgiving, in thanksgiving. Because honestly, God has done so, so much. And he never stops doing us good. Even in this year, 2020, he continues to be doing us good. We are at the end of this year. And of course, we are hoping and praying for much better things in the future. But right now, I am thankful because God has been with us, even in a time that seems so, so difficult. Yes, and we are doing this 
as we go through this tough season, but God will enable. There are times when we, we feel, you know, weak and, and we can't do it, but God will enable. You know, during yesterday's SGM, um, Pastor Patricia Michubu shared something that really caught my attention. It was about Jesus feeding the 5,000, and it's in Matthew chapter 14, verses 15 to 19. Let me just read that. In the evening, the disciples came to him. They said, no one lives around here. And it's already late. You know, there was a crowd and they had come and Jesus had been teaching them for hours and hours. And, and so they're telling him, it's already late. Send the crowds to the villages to buy food for themselves. And Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. So they told him, all we have here are five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus said, bring them to me. Then he ordered the people to sit on the grass. And you know the rest of that story. Jesus divides up the bread and the fish and it is distributed. Everybody gets plenty to eat and there's plenty left over. You know, think about the disciples for a moment. You know, the disciples looked at what they had and, and, and they recognized it. They looked at it as limiting. You know, they, they couldn't see how those little resources they had could help all those people. And on top of that, it was, it was late, it was a remote place where sourcing food would really, really be difficult. Therefore, standing on their own wisdom, you know, their pragmatic choice was, you know, send the crowd home. But Jesus expresses God's will in this particular situation. And he used what they had. He says, you feed them. They don't need to go away, you feed them. That was what God was intending. That was what God wanted. And the lunch of a little boy, you know, five loaves and two fish, he feeds everybody. How? You know, our little, as we give it to God in faith, as we give it to him in obedience, will meet the need that God wants to be fulfilled. And God will use what we have. He never asks us for what we don't have. He will use what we have to get his work done. So next week we have a fundraising. And you know, as I've, I've interacted with people, I've been asked this question. And I know many of you probably who have been also doing a bit of the fundraising have been asked, might have been asked the same question. Why are you trying to build in such a difficult season? And I've already given the answer and it's still a very simple answer because God has called us to do it. People doing what God wants cannot depend on how easy it is to do. It can't be about how much extra I have in my pocket. It must be about what God wants me to do. That's where my eyes have to be. When it looks tough, we ask him for help. We ask him for grace, but we step forward and we keep on doing what we've been called to do. You know, that's what I want to talk about today. Pursuing God's will when it doesn't look like it's going to be easy or soft or comfortable. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 31 to 33. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Make it your priority and he takes responsibility for you. Do you believe it? 
you know to my shame i must admit that there are times when when i've struggled really struggled to believe this but time and again as i've you know found i've stepped out and done what god is is telling me to do i've found this thing to be true you know when i stop leaning on my own wisdom and instead i submit to god's will and trust him tough as it might be you know looking back time and again it has always been worth it now i remember you know when god called me to change careers that was a big one you know that was a big deal and one of the toughest things about this was that i would not be able to fulfill my dream of the kind of lifestyle that i wanted to give my wife and my children but then christ was the best thing that had ever happened to me and 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 i wanted my family to walk together with him and so the question was could i even pretend to lead them in the way of christ by first of all rebelling first of all refusing to do what god wanted me to do you know that would make me a terrible terrible disciple and and they would have a terrible model of discipleship to follow a discipleship that can choose to reject the leading of the person that they're saying is lord the one who the discipleship that would reject the will and leadership of god and and, and i thought i believe god loves me i believe he knows me he knows my family he loves them and he can do exceedingly and abundantly more than i can he knows tomorrow and i don't i choose to trust that he knows what he's doing and that in doing his will i'll be giving the best gift that i could ever give to my family and so i chose to believe god and follow his call and he has taken care of us no question he has taken care of us seek first his kingdom not sort yourself out and give what what is left over for god's kingdom you know that is what that was one of the suggestions that was being given to me by a number of people you know work you know make money you know and when the kids have finished school and you finished all sc- uh, college and you've got enough money set aside in your pension then you can retire early and serve god then but god was telling me to serve him now now did you notice what you know as as jesus speaks he speaks about food he speaks about clothing you know the things that we generally consider the most important things your heavenly father jesus says knows that you need them yani as he takes responsibility for you he isn't missing this important fact so even before you're concerned about these these things first jesus says his kingdom and his righteousness the economy of the persian empire at the time of the prophet hagai had had collapsed and this really affected the people in that small province of juda so people concentrated on their own circumstances you know to them this was not the, a good time to spend on you know effort and wealth on the house of god and they had good and understandable reasons for not giving now i'm sure if you were to be asked and you and i were to be asked we we are in the same situation there are many many good reasons why we may be struggling to give you know good and understandable ones you know making ends meet because of the 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 condition of the economy trying to to better ourselves in very difficult circumstances you know good reasons but listen to what god who knows them all who understands every reason he knows how valid they are listen to what he says in haggai chapter 1 verses 2 to 9 this is what the lord almighty says 
These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but have harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Declares the Lord God Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. You know, when you don't give the Lord so that you can focus on your own needs, you actually you're thinking that, that you're, you'll have more to spend on your needs. But in fact, what you have done is to turn the living God against you. And you know, what God was telling the Israelites is that, you know, because they were holding back and not giving him what he had asked and participating in his agenda, he had removed his protection from them. So that there are troubles, the troubles of life, you know, things like, you know, illnesses and other things, the kind of troubles that take away our money and our increase, that these things would come. You know, productivity, work, worker problems. And, and, and you'll find that the money that you had held back from God brings you more trouble than it saves you. It turns God away from you. And your last state is worse than your first. Have you ever had that situation where you've put your 5K in, in your M-Pesa in the morning and in the evening you're asking, hey, what happened to all that money? Yeah? Um, I mean, I only bought a few items and it's all gone. And then there are other times, you know, you've had that experience of, of, of that 5,000 is seeming to last for weeks. You know, one week, two weeks. You know, sometimes that's the Lord's doing. He's just, inter just stepped into your situation and enabled it. You know, not giving to the Lord so that you can meet your own legitimate needs is easy because the Lord never complains. He never complains. But it is the worst thing that you could do to yourself. For he says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but have harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You expected much but see it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away. Therefore because of you the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and, 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 and so on. You know, God has taken, has taken a step there. But, but what you're doing when you're, saying, when, you're, when, you're, when you're doing this, what you're saying to the Lord is that my priorities are more important than yours. And God doesn't accept that. You know, have you, have you been doing that? He gives you and I an opportunity to change and do the right thing. In verse 8 he says, Go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored says the Lord. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, that's what he said in Matthew 6. And God is telling to us, make my agenda your priority. Make my agenda your priority and I'll make your work 
fruitful. You guys know the Lord's Prayer. Um, let me read just the first two verses of it in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, where Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And basically, this prayer is starting out by recognizing who God is, and then you make the first request. The first request is, is also a personal commitment. It's something that you're saying, this is what I truly desire. This is what you're telling God. Your kingdom, come. Your will, be done. You know, that's, that's where Jesus is teaching us our priority should be. Do you realize that in that prayer, you know, when you ask for the things that you're, you're, we are asking for our needs, all we ask for in, in the Lord's Prayer is the things that we need for today. Did you ever recognize that? You know, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. You know, protect us from the evil one. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for the things that you're dreaming about and, and what you want. Of course you should. But that should not be your focus. It shouldn't be your priority. His kingdom first. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what he prayed. He prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. You know, I'm really thankful that, that Jesus said that. But you can see here that your will be done is not only for the times when it's comfortable. It is a prayer of submission to God's will, even as you may be feeling a desire to go the other way. You know, Jesus was expressing it. You know, it's not that he wasn't feeling like, like, like he should, that, that he'd prefer something different. But it's that you will choose to do what God is asking. That you will, you will be telling him because you love him and you want what he wants, that you want that more than you will hold on to your own desires. You know, God calls us to serve him. He calls us to be part of his agenda. Not just when it feels easy, we are to be part of his agenda in all times. You know, as the, as, as the Apostle Paul said, you know, whether you're well-fed or hungry, whether you have plenty or, or in need, whether facing opposition or that things are just flowing, you know, everything is going so nice. His kingdom first. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth by me, by you, as it is done in heaven. I want now just to talk about some of the benefits that we find as we step forward in faith and pursue God's will in all seasons, even in a season like this, in a time of adversity. There are real benefits of, of walking together with God. And the first one is that we grow as disciples. And there are a number of ways, there are a number of ways that, that, that this happened. You know, A, in, in, as, we, as, we, as we give of ourselves in a sacrificial way, we grow as disciples because we are learning to be sacrificial in our worship of God. You know, the Bible says that sacrifice, a, willing to give, a willingness to give of ourselves, to give, you know, of all that we are, a willingness to go th through thick and thin because we want to do what God, God desires, is, is the fitting response to what God has already done for us in our own lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We are learning to worship God, true worship, as we make the step from comfortable discipleship to self-sacrificial service. You know, serving God, serving other people, as, 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 as he wants to work through us, as we reach out and we call them into his family, as he works among us in, in all the different ways to make those choices, to, to say, I can sacrifice a little of who I am, of what I have, so that I might accomplish your things. It, it helps me to grow as a true disciple. It helps me to truly learn to worship God. You know, I think sometimes that we, we forget that the call of discipleship is to look like Jesus. That that is, that is actually the model that we are supposed to be following as an example. In First Peter, we are told this, you know, he says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. It's a willingness to go that extra mile to take pain, to, to serve as we step forward and serve others, to serve God even though it costs us. You know, Jesus himself, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, I can tell you that taking up the cross is not the same as taking a walk in the park. True followership, true discipleship involves self-sacrifice as we take God's path. It involves laying ourselves down for God. And, and we grow as disciples as we practice this thing, as we do the things that are sacrificial. And a time like this, in a season like this, it really does enable us to, to take those extra ste steps of sacrifice. Then B, as, as, as we give in such times, we are learning to be generous with an eye beyond ourselves. To, you know, to those continuing beneficiaries who will be blessed by the things that we do. 2 Corinthians 9.13 Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. You know, we are putting our money where our faith is. We prove our faith with, 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 with taking these steps and we become a blessing to many, many others. Please remember always to make wealth your servant. Your wealth should never be the goal. It should be serving the things that are important to you and your first priority. Your first thing that, you, that would be on your mind is God. We grow as disciples as we are growing also in perseverance. And that's a necessary part of our path. We already looked at James 1, 2 to 4. Let me read it again. Count it pure joy. Whenever you suffer grief in all kinds of trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is the path to maturity. This is the path to the place where you yourself become complete. You become one who lacks nothing, persevering in God's will through times of adversity, when things are hard. Another way in which you grow in, in discipleship as you keep going through these hard times 
is in making disciples. You become a person that is, that is influencing other people. You know, as we grow, as we invite other people to grow together with us, as we help other people on the path um, to, towards maturity, we, we as a model, as we, people look at us and they see what we are doing and it helps them to see God and to see his way. You know, Jesus called us the salt of the earth. He called us the light of the world. And, and these lives that we, we live, they become the model. And when people see, and people really look, especially in times that are hard, they really are looking to see what are these Christians going to be like? What is, what is it going to be in them? And, and, and we are the light of the world. It's interesting how, how often times of crisis bring out the best in Jesus' followers. You know, it should be obvious, obviously, because, you know, light shines brightest in a dark time, in a dark place. And so when things are, are, are dark, th the light should be shining the brightest. But in 1 Peter 3.15, the, the apostle actually tells us that, you know, to always be prepared to tell people about the reason for the hope that we have in us. And it's because they can see that hope. Because despite the circumstances, he's writing a letter to them and people who are going through a lot of, 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 of suffering. And despite the circumstances, it is clear that their eyes are beyond. They're seeing something more. That there is something that gives them real joy. And, and, and the ability to look forward to every day. There's something different that is driving them. There's a hope in them. And the people on the outside start asking questions. You know, what is going on? And you can answer. You can be their light. You know, the investment that you make is also going to help people grow and, and follow the Lord, both as they see what you are doing and learn from, from your example, and also as they benefit from what you have done as a recipient. Um, in the future, there'll be many people who will, who will for example, in our, in our buildings, they'll be, they'll be becoming disciples, they'll be growing as disciples of Jesus Christ, and, and they will, will be thanking God for the people who were before them, who had the vision to do something about those needs. In Luke chapter 16, verse 19, the Bible tells us, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And when you invest in God's kingdom, when you use what you have to build people in God's family, you are making relationships that will bless you into eternity. You know, people, people who you, have, you, you might never have known when you go there, you know, in, in, in that eternal place, you'll be finding friends who are thanking God for you. Because your, your life had an impact that blessed them. So pursuing God's will through adversity helps us to grow as disciples. It also unleashes the power of God among us. The Apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 12 verses 8 and 9. He was going through a hard time. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take the thorn away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That, that hardship sometimes, the place where God shines out so much. Last week, I was in a Zoom conference, and one of the presenters was a leading Christian thinker um, called Alan Hirsch. And he reminded us of this truth. That every believer has the potential for world transformation. For world transformation. 
The seed is already in the church because every believer has the potential to set up the movement of the church. They can actually be the church in themselves as, as, as the power of God is present with them. You know, taking the experience, talking about the exponential growth of the church in China. Um, you know, in, in 1947, 1948, when the communists took over, they expelled all the missionaries. They arrested all the Christian leaders. They were putting some of them to death. Others were thrown into, into labor camps. And there were only about 2 million Christians in China at that time. Now, there's perhaps significantly over 100 million. And you start asking, you know, how does this happen? Because in each of us, we can make such a big difference. We can transform the world. So it's, an, it's about investing in growth of, of, of believers, you know, helping people learn to walk together with God and to serve God in truth. So through in, in enormous adversity, Christians stepped forward to serve God and God worked through them. Every believer, every believer has the potential for world transformation. That's you and that's me. That's you and that's me. All of us. Each of us have that enablement, the power of God in us. You know that promise where, where we are told the Holy Spirit is living in us. God has chosen to be in our lives. And when we are apparently weak, we are strong. So, so long as, so long as we continue to walk in the path of God and we cling to his purpose. The goal for, for our church and community you know, our church community's goal is, is disciples. Disciples that will engage the world to have a deep impact in the world. And, and the reason we're building is because it's about creating those facilities that will be a base for an army of disciples. I really believe that, that we can turn the world upside down as people's lives are turned upside down and they start impacting their world. And, and you know, for both us, who are the current generation and the generations that are represented by our teenagers and children and the generations after that. You know, God is calling us at this time to prepare and to do something for them. And he will do great and mighty things. Even in our times of weakness. Even in our times of weakness, we will see him. You know, I'm remembering just back in July, when during a time that was tough for everybody, including Rachel and I, you know, reduced incomes, our, our income was significantly reduced. Yet God stirred up people as I, as, as I reached out to, to people and we brought in so much more than we expected, you know, for that fundraiser. So much more that we, than we could ever have been able to raise on our own in, in better circumstances. Our God is powerful in weakness. And finally, Pursuing God's will in times of adversity unleashes God's blessing to us. You know, there's a time when God challenged Abraham to do something truly difficult, a sacrificial task, to give up his own son for God. In the end, you know, those of us, you know that story, in the end, God brings a substitute for Abraham um, to use, a lamb that that prefigures the truth that it's never God who is asking us ultimately. We're, not, we're never ultimately the ones who are paying with the lives of our son. He pays with the life of his son. He makes that ultimate sacrifice. And the Lamb of God dies for us, God's son. But Abraham's willingness, because he went almost all the way. I mean, he was stopped just before doing this thing. His, his willingness generates a response from God, an amazing response. Genesis 22 verses 15 to 18. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, 
that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you obeyed me. Because you did not withhold your own, your most precious son. Because you obeyed me. And the blessings to Abraham and his descendants and through that descendant, through those descendants to us, those promises were fulfilled. Were fulfilled. Every one of them. You know, obedience and sacrifice unleash such a positive response from God. You know, impacting not just us, but generations to come. Because of the kind of sacrifice, because that kind of sacrifice is a measure of your love for God. It's, it's expressing your love for God. Remember, this is not deal making. Yeah? You're not telling God, you know, I'm giving you this. Now you have to give me the other and, and you have to bless me in this way or the other. You are doing this because you believe in Him and you trust Him and you love Him. You see it in Hebrews chapter 11 when they talk about the story of Abraham. It was faith that enabled him to go. And a trust in God to do things that were amazing that enabled him to go all that way. And God is drawn by that. And he unleashes blessing. You know, our generosity and sacrifice really does invoke God's response. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 verse 38, Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. You know, God is the one who, who makes that true and ultimate sacrifice for you and I. He has made such a big sacrifice. It covers our every need. And God is no man's debtor. He continues to give in response to our actions of love and self-sacrifice. He loves to continue to bless us. You know, brothers and sisters, as we go through these hard times, as we struggle in these, in these times, it is my prayer that we shall not falter as we pursue the will of God. As we prepare and, and bring forward our gifts and our, you know, our thank offerings, our sacrifices, our free will offerings, whatever it is that we're going to be bringing to glorify God and to build His, His church, may our hearts recognize that God sees in us. But He calls us to His will. May our eyes never forget that He must always be our priority. He's called us and He has made us His own. And He wants us to make His kingdom first. To make those choices as we choose to sacrifice for Him. Let's be a people who make God's kingdom, God's will first. So that it is always our priority. And God says He will take care of you. He takes responsibility for you. He said, you know, the, the, the pagans, they run after all these things. They're always asking for these things. He says, you don't have to be asking about them. Your father in heaven knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. God will take care of you. And I pray that we will take a genuine path when we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. And I'd like us to pray that prayer together. 
And just be thinking about the words you're saying as we, as we pray this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, God is with us every day, every hour. He is aware of every need that we have. I'd just like to close by praying for all of us. Even as we have prayed to God, His will, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for, for this, this people of God, everyone who is listening, that as, as we go through this time of adversity, that these things that we need, that Lord, you will help us with them. Help us through the time of pain. Help us through this time where there are people who, we are, some of us are so afraid because there is so much sickness and death around us. There's so much sickness and death around the world. Our Father, I pray for those whose fear is for that daily bread that our jobs and businesses represent. I know that you see it all. I know that you see it all. And that you care. And as, you, as we make you our priority, your word says you will give to us. You will add to us. I pray, Lord, that according to this promise, so shall it be for each and every one of us and that your care in our lives will make all that difference. Minister to us according to that need that we have today. I pray, Lord, that you will help us all grow, truly grow, and that you will help us to be a people that will carry on the work that you have called us to start and to run with it all the way to the end. Lord, we need your enablement. We need your grace. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we might do this. And then I pray, Lord, that you will bless your people, that this unleashing of your blessings as we respond will be something that we experience individually and corporately in different ways, whatever way you think is, is perfect for us. We trust you, God. You know tomorrow we don't. And so we trust you. And more than anything, Lord, I pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.